Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Spill the OT podcast. I know that it has been a minute, but I had some pretty big life changes going on. I had some personal things going on that were pretty significant, and I also had some pretty big career changes that were happening. So I don't want to dive too much into it, but guess what? I finally love OT again. I ended up leaving my job and switching into a different setting, and I love it. I don't want to talk too much about it because, as you know, I've been slowly becoming less anonymous. So because it's a new job, I just am not ready to share that part of my journey yet. But I will say that I do think that there's a different setting for every person. And once you find the right setting, I really think that you can be successful in this field. Of course, this is just maybe me riding my high. Maybe you're in a place where you feel like you need a break. And I think breaks are fun. If you need a break from OT, PT, speech, whatever, you have to do what's best for you. And I'm really lucky that I was able to find something that I enjoy again. And it's exciting and it's made me want to share this podcast again because I felt pretty guilty about having this podcast based on OT when I myself, I mean, I went back to school. I did two semesters in college and I was ready to like jump ship. So I felt really guilty having this podcast and talking about OT and how cool it is. And then at the same time being like, well, I'm not doing it. But I feel very at peace with everything that's going on right now. I feel excited about it. And yeah, I'm glad to be back. I think this moment of quarantine has given us all an opportunity to kind of evaluate what's important to us. So I hope that whatever headspace you're in, I hope that you're able to take some time and figure out what's important to you. So today's episode, we are talking to an OT who has mainly worked in pediatrics, but she has a passion for helping new graduates. And I know that there are quite a few new grads and students who listen to this podcast. So you guys were nice enough to send me in some questions. So we did a little bit of a Q&A with her and it was really fun and exciting to talk to her. She is such a delight and listening to her voice is so calming to me. I feel like if she could just read me like a bedtime story, I would love that. She just has the best voice and she works in pediatrics. So I definitely think her energy matches her setting and she's just such a delightful person to talk to. So I hope that you enjoy this show. I also want to give a big shout out. I have an intern now and she has been so incredible. As you know, if you've listened to any episodes in the past, you know that I have some severe executive functioning stuff. It's just really hard for me to send emails and follow up with people and make sure that we're on the same page as far as booking times to meet and interview. And I think a little bit probably has to do with my anxiety. I do have anxiety, so... Sometimes I avoid in order to help my anxiety. So I think there's definitely a little bit of that going on. But my new intern, I won't say her name because I don't know if she wants to be public on here. But she's been such a pleasure. So thank you if you're listening. So okay, let's get our first guest on here. Angela Bender is a pediatric OT with over 20 years of experience. She owns a small pediatric therapy practice in Southern Oregon. And her passion is mentoring clinicians newly entering the world of pediatric OT. She helps clinicians make the transition to a seasoned pediatric OT in less time with less risk of burnout. Her goal is to create a community that provides mentoring resources and products that solve the problem of limited time and resources for collaboration, job training, and mentoring in healthcare today. So I'm going to leave some of her information in the show notes, and I hope that you guys enjoy the show. 
Hi, so I'm Angela Bender and I'm an occupational therapist. I've worked in pediatrics for most of my career. Um, I've been at OT for about 20 years and I've had the opportunity to work in almost every setting except for NICU. And um, I've really enjoyed and loved my career. But over the years, it's been more of a challenge to find that time to mentor new grads. And so when I first started, we had a lot of time and opportunity and just time within our schedule to get that help we needed when we first graduated because nobody knows what they're doing when they got out of school. And so what I wanted to do, well, I'll go back a little bit. So then in May, I lost my job. I was working at a small pediatric clinic and I lost my job and I was really devastated and didn't know really what I was gonna do. And so the need is really big in our community for therapists. And so I decided I was going to open a pediatric practice myself. And so in doing that, not knowing anything about business, I decided that I was going to just do as much education and mentoring and get as much coaching as I could myself. And so in doing that and all that work on mindset, I kind of discovered that really my passion is teaching other OTs. And it opened me up to thinking there's a broader way to reach more people that it can, it can be more than just one-on-one -on -one in your clinic setting and you can reach more people. So um, in all that education, I had the opportunity to um, figure out how to kind of pivot and do th some more things online to reach more people. And so that's kind of how the, the course in the book and that side of my OT venture has started. That's really exciting. So at this point in your career, are you still practicing more traditional OT or have you pivoted pretty much entirely to kind of this new venue in your life? No, so I am definitely still practicing. So I opened up a small practice. We opened in October and I'm the only treating clinician. I'm actually the only employee, it's just me. So I am definitely still treating kids and doing this. So I'd say this is kind of my side hustle right now, but my long-term plan is to pivot, run the clinic, have another one or two clinicians there, keep it small and be able to focus primarily on this. Awesome. So before we talk more about the new grads, can you share about your own clinic? like? You said that you didn't have much experience on the business side of things. How did you navigate that and figuring out how to even begin your private practice? It was pretty crazy. I mean, I just like I was kind of distraught for like two days after I lost my job. And I was like, what the heck am I going to do? And um, when I was doing when I was at my last position, I had started thinking about, you know, having a little side hustle because I was getting so frustrated in the position I was, and I had thought about writing a children's book. And so it's interesting because once you open your mind up and you start thinking of other things you can do or different ideas, you start to think of so many other things. And so I think it's because I had that initial idea that I kind of thought, well, this other person who I used to work for had a clinic and they didn't know what the heck they were doing. And that's where everybody, you know, often starts because so many therapists own clinics and business is not our background at all. So I thought, well, you know what? I can do this. I'm just going to get online. I'm going to join every group I can. I'm going to just 
try to find as many resources as I can. And so in doing that, somebody turned me on to somebody called Greg Todd. And so he runs, it's called SSHC now smart success for healthcare but he's a pt and what he's done is created a whole education course for people in healthcare who want to be entrepreneurs so not necessarily just open up a clinic but if you have products you want to design if you have courses kind of the whole gamut and so i spent three months going through that course and coaching and um, just found a great community of people who were starting to do the same thing, who were a little bit behind me, lots of people who were way ahead of me. And that kind of became my family and the start of my business education. And then I've expanded and done like more classes and coaching and things like that along the way. That's very exciting. So how many clients do you have now at your clinic? So currently, well, Currently COVID is going on, right? <laughs> so it's very different for everybody. So currently I have 12 clients and I have um, several people waiting for evals. So my capacity, personally, I can see about 22 kids a week um, and still be able to manage the business and um, my course and stuff. Um, so we're about halfway there. We were just about to be profitable. And I was just about to be able to take a salary when all of this hit. So that was like a big thing to swallow. I'm sure. And I'm sorry. It's just been so unpredictable. I don't think anyone would have ever predicted any of this. Definitely. I think the thing that's, I don't want to say good, there's not many good things about a crisis. But I think the thing, thinking back to all the other crises and things you go through in your life you're often going through it alone and I feel like in this everybody can relate to each other on so many different levels and we're all going through so many similar things that you know that's that's comforting in a sense you're not the only person going through it so you just have to put on your big girl pants and keep going I love your energy I totally feel that that's a good attitude to have so as far as your new grad, what's the proper term to use for that? Workshop? I'm not sure. So I have an online course and I have a book. I'm trying to like slowly expand it with products and things. So mentoring community, maybe we could call it. Okay. So as far as your mentoring committee, so you have which products do you have available and how could people find them? So currently I have my course, which is an online course and it's a mix of written information like in PowerPoint format and um, videos for demonstration. And then we also do some virtual coaching as part of that course. So we get to meet as a very, very small group twice a month for an hour. So I found like with all of the education I did in business that what really helped me not knowing what the heck I was doing was building that community of people that you could go to who were going through the same thing or maybe were a little bit ahead of you. And so that's what I wanted to try and do with my course because I think that's what's missing like i love all of the facebook groups and everybody's able to give such great information and feedback but there's not a really good resource for like hey let me sit and talk about this kid that i'm really struggling with for 20 minutes and get somebody's input 
that's the course. And currently that is on nextlevelot.com. So you just go to nextlevelot.com backslash products and that's where it is currently, but I'm working on transitioning that to my own website. So I'm redoing my website to be able to host a course on there. So hopefully it will be on mine in the next week, which is todayandbeyondtherapy.com. And then my book, Pediatric OT, the guide for the new clinician is on Amazon. Well, thank you for doing that. I think that you're definitely filling a gap that is there. And I think this new group of students coming up, I I think a lot of them um, are kind of drawn to this podcast in particular. And they are, I mean, I think they're some of the most like hardworking people and they really want to do a good job. So I think that they're tech savvy and they'll be able to like take advantage of this because they're like thirsty for knowledge. I put a post on my Instagram page to ask some questions and I got a lot of feedback. Can I like fire some questions at you? Yeah, I would love it. All right. How do you go about even finding a mentor or asking somebody to be your mentor? What's the first step somebody should take when looking for a mentor? So I think it's really important to think about what are your goals and what do you want long term? So that's something, honestly, it's kind of crazy that I never really did that as an OT looking at my career, because that's what we do every day for our clients, no matter what setting we work on, right, is you make your long-term goal and then how are you going to get there? Um, And I think we all just really are kind of inundated with almost forgetting about our big dreams. Like what is that really big thing that you want to do career-wise? Where do you want to be at the end of your career? So I would tell people to really take some time and think about that and then think about the steps they need to get there because you want somebody, you know, the best mentor, the best coach is somebody who's done exactly what you want to do. So you want to find somebody who has that experience in doing what you're doing. So I would say to really, I know lots of people are on Facebook and asking questions and groups and stuff. So I would just say to pay attention to when somebody answers you and how much you like their input and reaching out to them. I think it's like anything, you don't know what's available if you don't ask. And so I would say, just ask people, you know, that this is what I need. You have to know what, what you need though. You know, this is what I need. This is what I want. You know, are you able to help me or could you point me in the right direction? Because a lot of times, even if somebody's not able to do that, they might know somebody else who would love to help. So I would say um, that that would be a really great place to start is to think about your goals. What do you want? And try to connect with people and just reach out. That's really useful advice because I think people assume that they're going to have a mentor at their facility that they're working at. But given productivity standards, it's pretty unlikely that you'll be able to find somebody who's able to physically and emotionally help you in that moment. So finding somebody on an online platform might actually be able to help you get there faster. Definitely. And I think that's the thing. We all get there eventually, but how much easier will it be? And what value is that to you to be able to get there that much quicker, that much easier with that much less stress? 
So I love your idea about going on Facebook groups. And I know that this younger generation, they probably don't even use Facebook, but there are some really great groups out there. Like you can find OTs in hands, OTs in pediatrics, OTs in schools. But I also like your advice that you wanna pay attention to how that person is responding to you. Because I think those forums are inundated with really, really rich, wonderful information. But there's also some people on there that I just don't think I myself would want as a mentor. They can be like argumentative with other people in the forums and it can become almost like a, a peacock trying to puff out its feathers to show off like who knows the most knowledge. And when you're choosing your own mentor, maybe like if you find somebody that you feel like you're really vibing with, private message them, see how that goes. You could even like search and see how they're engaging with other people. Be like, is that how I want my mentor to be talking to other people? Because some people are a little crazy out there. So you want to get the person that's a good fit for you. Definitely. I completely agree with that. And I think there's a lot more clinicians, whether it's on Instagram or I don't know what else people are using now. I think even some people are using TikTok, even though it's, you know, geared, you know, you hear it more with younger kids. There are a lot more clinicians. I would definitely say to search that out. Like every coach that I've done any paid to do any coaching, I've been referred to them from somebody else. So you have to open up that conversation with other people that this is what I'm looking for to find those people that are doing it first of all, and then I follow them on their platforms and see, do I think we would be a good fit? Um, those are some important things. Um, if somebody isn't, if you're reaching out to somebody and you're looking into doing something paid and they're not willing to even chat with you a couple times before you commit, then that, you know, that's a sign that that might not be a good fit. That's something that every coach I've ever run into has been more than willing to do to make sure that you're a good fit with them and they're what you need. That's a really good point. And I think the language too is, there is a big difference it sounds between a coach and a mentor is what I'm hearing from you. Is that true, would you say? Like, it sounds like a coach is someone that you would more like invest your time, money, energy for outcomes. Whereas a mentor might just be someone that you casually talk to who is going to be there if you have maybe one question on a specific student, but not necessarily going to be able to like drop everything at the drop of a hat and be there for you like a coach could. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. And I kind of use them very much the same. Um, but yeah, so I think that's why you need to be clear on what you're asking of that person, you know, like, do you want to just buddy up and be my partner to bounce ideas off of, or do I need some real help and guidance and education? And they're two different things. Yeah. All right. Let's see what other questions these guys had. So do you have any job searching tips? And more specifically, do you think job searching right now, given this COVID madness, is a little uh, pointless at the moment? So I definitely wouldn't say it's it's pointless. I think it's it's challenging. It's interesting because when I lost my job in May, right after that, then all the changes with CMS hit and so many clinicians lost their jobs. So I think it's a really challenging time right now. But when I graduated 20 years ago, it was a really hard time in therapy too. And it took me a while to find a job 
I think that's, you know, you just have to be of the mindset that you might not have the perfect job at first. Sometimes we just need a job and you have to take what's available, but you also to set yourself up for success should be looking at long-term, what do I want out of a career? So this job isn't perfect, but what can I take from that job that's going to help me in the future and, and just be open to that. And I have actually seen some job postings, especially related to telehealth. I mean, some people are having wonderful success and they're hiring right now. Um, so I wouldn't say that it is pointless by any means right now. Um, you need a job, you have to be out there looking for something. <laughs> So I would say do that. And then in general, my other tip would just be to think about how you can leverage yourself because a lot of places I feel like are very open to hiring new grads, much more so than in earlier years past. But if they aren't, if you're looking for something really specific and they aren't super open to hiring a new grad, what other experience have you had related to therapy or not that you can leverage to try and get that job? Like, are you a social media whiz? Could you help that company with their social media? Are you great at coming up with new and creative ideas? And could you propose some different group ideas and new revenue streams to that facility that you're interviewing at? Um, Think about what you're really good at outside of OT that you can use within that setting to leverage yourself and set yourself apart. I love that advice. And I love your advice specifically that it doesn't have to be the perfect job. I think sometimes we feel like everything has to line up. It has to be the right pay, has to be the right location, has to be the right setting, has to be the right coworkers. And we have to be realistic and know that we just have to start what is the most important thing to you is the most important thing setting, then focus that in your job search is the most important thing pay, then focus that in your job search. Exactly. So what makes a new grad stick out both in a positive way and in a negative way? That's hard. Well, I'm, I've always been of this mindset that I learned something from everybody. I think in, in my first job, you know, I didn't know anything and I'm an OT and at my first job, if it hadn't been for the CODA who was there for 20 years, I would have not known what the heck to do with anybody. And so I've always really valued everybody who works in a facility where I am. Like there's always something to learn from everybody, whether that's the person at the front desk doing the scheduling or the biller or the person who cleans at night, like we can learn something from everybody. So I would say as far as new grads, what I love about working with new grads is they always have like the latest and greatest on the research. They're always super up to date with that. They have a lot of great energy and hope. I think you know, we all get out of school and we think we're going to change the world and we want to. And as the years go on, we can lose that feeling. And so I love working with people who are just starting off their career because they have that passion and energy that sometimes we lose over time in negative. I think sometimes people's expectations are that they're going to know everything, like they're going to know what to do in every situation and you don't getting out of school, nobody does. So you have to be open to other people's input 
I would say that that's a super important thing and that's um, sometimes a little bit hard for people to do. Yes, and I think doing it with some humility because I know that like on the one hand, you're absolutely right. New grads are coming out with all the latest information as far as research and education, but there are clinicians who may have been practicing for 20 or 30 years and they might not be the most current with evidence-based research, but they know what's worked for them based off of their years of experience. Like just being open-minded. And if, if you see something that's wrong, of course you want to, um, let that be known, like if something is inappropriate, but like just being open-minded to seeing how other clinicians work and like you can take what resonates for you. you this is your career now. So take what's resonating, but like leave the rest mm-hmm. and not necessarily having to um, call anyone out on doing something unless of course it's inappropriate. But if you see somebody who's doing something differently than you do, like that person is experienced and they are probably going off what's worked for them previously that you might not have privy to that information. Right. Or even, you know, take it as an opportunity to open up a conversation about it. But like you said, do it with some humility. You know, I saw you were doing X, Y, and Z with so-and-so. I'm curious why you were doing that. Could you give me some more, you know, input on how you use that, why that works for you? And, you know, just kind of think about that before you jump in with your solution because you might very well have a better solution and a better way to do it, but there might be a why that you don't understand yet. Have you met any new grads or have you come across this during your mentorship of any common mistakes that new grads seem to be making? I can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah, I can't either. Um, I've had the opportunity to work with some really great people and I think mistakes that happen aren't uncommon mistakes that I don't make myself. Yeah, I think one thing though to understand as a new grad is also just how important, especially in pediatrics, how important that relationship is with the family Mm -hmm. and going in with that mindset that you're gonna be their mental health counselor and you're gonna be the one telling them, you know, probably for the first time something might be wrong with their kiddo and understanding they're going through a grieving process and they're not following through on their home program. It's not necessarily them. It might be the way you're teaching it to them. You know, I've had to learn that the hard way. You have to, you have to really figure out what are the problems for the family? What do they want to work on? Um, it's not always what you want to work on or what you think the kid needs to work on. So you have to be open to that and be, you know, almost like a good salesperson in the fact of slowly helping them see what's what's needed in the end. I think that's great advice. I'm gonna skip ahead to this one. What do you think is an acceptable pay rate for a new grad and how can a new grad negotiate their salary or their hourly income? So I think that depends, I don't know what your input is, but I think it depends so much on where you live and what setting that you're working in. I know like just state-wise, like when I worked in California, I made so much more than I make in Oregon. When I lived in Chicago, I made so much less, like half of what I made in California, you know, not too many years later. So I think it depends on on where you live. Yeah, there is 
there's a resource out there. I believe it's called either otsalary.com or occupationaltherapysalary.com. It's not the most easy to read format, but it's extremely thorough. So you can go on there and um, download the PDF. And I believe it's an Excel spreadsheet. And it just shows real therapists who have put in their personal information. So it'll say, you know, new grad or one year of experience, and then it'll list the state that they're living in. And then it'll list the hourly income or their salary. So I think that resource is probably the best way for somebody to figure out like a starting point. And then I would say most settings you can negotiate a salary. It doesn't hurt to ask for more. In certain ones, there is no room for negotiation. Like in Massachusetts, the public schools, you have a salary scale. So you can look online and you can see what that salary scale is. And that's what you're going to get based on your experience. So if you're a new grad, you're probably not going to have any experience unless it's your second career and you were a teacher before or you had something Mm -hmm. very specifically to the school to leverage a higher step on the salary scale. Yeah. And I would say, you know, just like on that same note, if you're going to try and negotiate your salary, which we should all do, I mean, what's the worst? They're going to say no. So you don't know unless you ask. Um, But when you're negotiating, have, you know, have a reason, have a why of why you're asking for a higher salary. What, what can you leverage? What can you offer? What additional thing can you do? Why do you think you deserve that higher salary? I think some people, I know I've talked with a few people and um, who've been job hunting and I've heard everything from, they've offered me 55,000 and you know, it's really a position I want. I'm excited. I think, you know, I might go for it, even though it's way less than I was hoping for to, they only offered me 85,000 a year. To me, that's at the highest end of what I've ever made anywhere, especially in pediatrics. You just, (laughs) you have to be realistic. Yeah. You're not going to get out of school and make a hundred grand a year. Yeah. And I think Definitely depends on the setting. Like for the school setting, I've never come anywhere close to that, but it's also nine months out of the year. So mm-hmm. if you consider the amount of time off, then like that can influence what your salary would be and like what your expectations should be. I've worked in several settings. I mean, granted, it's been a few years since I graduated. I believe my first job was in a nursing home and I got offered like $35 an hour. But it's, it's so dependent because that sounded like a great rate to me, but then they didn't guarantee hours. So some weeks I would only work 25 hours, even though I was a full-time employee. I think when you are looking at a job, you want to look at everything. Are the hours guaranteed? What happens if the census is low? What's the productivity rate have to be? Do you have to, some places they make you clock out in order to finish your documentation so that your productivity still stays high and you're not getting paid for that amount of time. Some places might have two weeks vacation, other might have a month vacation. There's so many factors. Definitely. Yeah. And those are all super great points. I usually try to like over the years, I've learned to try and like ask to talk to somebody else who works there too. So I can ask some of those questions that maybe I'm not going to get as straight of an answer from, from the um, person interviewing me. And you have to be kind of creative in how you're asking it. um, So you don't come off in a negative way. But um, 
that's been a good tip I've had from somebody. And yeah, just like you said, you have to consider those other factors. And if you're signing a contract, I learned this the hard way many years ago, read your non-compete clause and really understand it because you could be in a difficult position if and when you leave there. That's great advice. That happened to a friend of mine who had studied to become a certified hand therapist and then she left her clinic and then was forced to either wait, I believe a year, or she had to practice over two hours away. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Okay. Hey everybody, I am so genuinely excited to tell you about MedBridge. So MedBridge is a continuing ed site and they have tons of continuing ed courses all available online. You can stream them at your own pace. They also have home exercise plans, which are incredible. You can literally build your own plan with pictures that can perfectly suit whatever client you're working for. It's honestly so awesome. And you get unlimited CEUs. And these CEU courses are just really intriguing and exciting. Like it's, I've done continuing ed online in the past and these ones that they select are just very much in line with what I find interesting. And I feel like you might find them interesting as well. So are you struggling with finding the resources for your time for CEUs with almost 2000 accredited evidence-based streaming courses, live CEU webinars, MedBridge is your all-in-one solution. And actually, if you use my code, it's spill the OT, capital S, capital T, capital OT. So spill the OT, one word, capital S, capital T, capital OT. You can get $175 off of your year-long subscription, which is awesome. I mean, that's like significant amount of money off. So if you are interested, please go check it out. Again, use the code spill the OT, capital S, capital T, capital OT, all one word. All right. I really hope that you go check it out. Enjoy. So do you have any favorite resources to recommend to new grads or level two fieldwork students? Yeah. A couple of things that I really like are for pediatrics i like smart but scattered so that's a series of books and it looks at um for children for all the way through adults and it looks at a lot at executive functioning and so they have some great like checklists and tools and i feel like for me executive functioning has always been a challenge to understand and really know how to work down and break down the different areas and so once I read that, I really felt more comfortable. Feeding wise, Melanie Potok um, is one of my favorite feeding therapists and she's a speech path, but she has a great mix of dysphagia, behavior, oral motor work. Her approach to feeding is very holistic. Um, and so I found that really helpful. And then the Addison Child's one of my favorite, like basic sensory books that I always recommend to like all my students and parents and things. I think it's really simple and basic and gives you a good understanding of how to put some of those things into practice or when you see something, what does it mean? So those are a few of the ones that I really like. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So last question. Do you have any advice for new grads? Sounds like they just want to be ready. They're excited. What's your biggest coin of advice? 
probably be flexible. Understand that what you plan is not like in your sessions, adults or kids, it's never gonna go like that. You're always gonna have bumps in the road. And so you really have to be able to, to problem solve and, um, and plan and be flexible and have a, you know, an A, B, and C. And I think that the way you do that, it's so tricky to do, but you really have to understand like going back to resources, you really have to understand what is typical, what is typical development, what should things typically look like and really understand that to know where the dysfunction is. I think a lot of people, um, anybody can give a standardized test, even if you're not an OT, you can practice a test and give it and know what somebody can't do, but understanding that why of what they can't, why they can't do it, that's where all our clinical judgment comes in and you really need to understand all of the underlying components that go into development and function. You need to understand communication. Like that's not our primary area that we work on, but you need to understand it. You need to understand gross motor. You need to understand cognition on top of fine motor and sensory and everything else. So um, it's challenging, but once you understand what should what should typically be there, it's much easier to pull out those things and understand like, oh, this is missing and that's why they can't do it. That's what I need to work on that underlying thing. Yes, I think flexibility and occupational therapy have to go hand in hand for a successful career, no matter what setting, because you could be in the hospital and trying to get the client to come down for their rehab session and they're not coming. No matter what you do, they're not leaving that room. You might have a student where you planned this really thoughtful and creative OT session, and guess what? They're screaming. They're going to scream for the next 20 minutes and cry, and you need to find a way to figure out what that communication means and work with them at their level in that moment, and you have to be flexible. You just have to be. Yeah. If if you weren't before this started, you you will be <laughs> soon into your career. It's a it's a necessity. Yeah. And just be just like give yourself grace to like don't feel that you need to know everything going in and you should be able to treat every child you come across and have all of the answers because you don't. And 20 years later, I don't. You there's always so much more to learn. And if you think that you shouldn't have had a question or you shouldn't have felt like, oh, that was a total failure, that session, we all feel like that. Um, it doesn't matter your level of experience. So just give yourself some grace and understanding. Absolutely. I think that's very beautiful advice and kind of reminded me of the advice you gave earlier where be open to suggestions from all types of people because you might be struggling with a certain idea for a specific client and you can bounce ideas off of PT or speech or even, you know, I've asked family members being, mm -hmm. of course, like HIPAA compliant, but I've just said, you know, I have a client who's having difficulty with this and I tried this, it didn't work. And like my dad, who's an accountant has come up with really fun ideas. So you never know where you're going to find your inspiration from. Definitely. And usually unlikely places, like you said. All right. 
Well, do you have anything else that you'd like to add before I let you go? If this is okay, I'm just going to give a little plug to my free Facebook group. So Thank it's Peds, Peds OT Mentoring Community. And so what we're trying to do, it's, you know, somewhat similar to the other groups on Facebook. You can post a question, get an answer, that kind of thing. Um, but we have a great mix of experienced therapists, students, new grads, people a few years in. And um, we're, I'm trying to create some education resources. We do some lives, some Q&As, post some different resources there. Um, so like everybody's transitioning to telehealth right now. So we're meeting once a week to problem solve treatment ideas for those kids. So you can find some good support in community there. And that's what we're trying to create is more of like community support and kind of that next level of just asking a question. So feel free to um, join us there. We're Can you repeat the name of that? Yeah, it's Peds OT Mentoring Community. Awesome. I think I'm going to join. Sounds good. That'd be great. I'd love to have you. All right. Awesome. Oh, so my last question, I ask everybody, if you could do it again, would you become an OT? That's such a hard question right now with everything going on. I would. You know what? It's it's my passion and I love it. And I think, um, you know, had you asked me a year ago, I would probably say no. But what has changed is that my mindset has been so open to everything we can do as OTs. You know, like for example, everybody's getting into life coaching these days. Like I think we're like the original life coaches. Um, you know, we can do, there are so many things outside of traditional OT that we would be a wonderful fit for, but we wouldn't have those skills had we not been OT. So I think even if you are finding like this isn't, this isn't your passion and you you don't love what it is, I'd say don't give up yet. Get another job because it could just be where you are in the population you're working with. But think outside the box. There's so many different things that we can do that our education has given us that skill set to do. So I would definitely do it again. Awesome. Yeah, I feel pretty similarly. I would have said probably less than a year ago, no. But recently I've switched settings. Again, I've, this is my fourth or fifth setting, who knows, tried them all. But I've finally found something that I can do part-time. That in itself is a really beautiful part of OT is that you don't have to necessarily do it full-time. You can take bits and pieces, which not every career offers. So that's something to think about. Definitely. And I think there's a lot of flexibility. And even though, I mean, the job market is not the best right now, but if you're willing to move, there's always a job. And I think there's more stability than, than a lot of, a lot of things right now. So there's a lot, there's a lot of pluses. There's a lot of challenges to being an OT, but it's all about mindset. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I also want to just let you know a couple of updates. I am now partnering with Purpose Therapy Box, and they are a really cool company. They started off with the mission to create subscription boxes that people can purchase, 
and the boxes are sent to seniors who do not have family who can bring them items. So it's to help seniors and I loved, loved, loved that mission. They also now have subscription boxes available to OTs, OTs, CODAs, OT students. And I did an unboxing video. I'm going to try and start to put some content over on YouTube. So my first video was an unboxing video and you can check that out at Spill OT. If you type that into YouTube and you can watch that unboxing video. And if you would like to purchase one of their boxes, which I highly recommend because they're such a great company, they're run by two OTs and it's just really exciting and I love their mission. You can get $5 off of your first box. Just use the code SPILLTOT. And if you subscribe to my channel over there, I will be putting some content on there that is of some videos and intervention ideas that makes more sense to put in video format rather than on a podcast because you can see things and it'll make more sense. So head on over there. I don't think there's many subscribers yet, but you could be the first. And as always, if you like this episode, please share it with a friend and I hope you have a great day. Bye.